you just feel and the feeling just starts to grow that something is missing, that mm. something isn't right, mm. that you are not in the environment that allows you to fully step into who you are, to thrive. Um, and you can ignore that. Mm. And that's what it means to not be self-led because then you're led by other things. Mm. You're led by comfort and you're probably led by the expectations of whether it's parents, society, what you should be doing at this age, what is right, what is wrong. Welcome to the Heart of Man podcast, a podcast for any man seeking to live in alignment with his deepest core and lead a life of profound meaning and connection. I'm your host, Alex Lehman, and I'm here to empower you through transformative conversations eye-opening insights, and practical wisdom. Join me now as we venture into the heart of man. Let's dive in. As I was envisioning this podcast, the one question I came to consistently ask myself is, what does it truly mean to be self-led? In the pursuit of an answer, I couldn't think of a better guest to have for the launch of this podcast than Jord Cooper. Jord is a self-leadership coach with over 10 years of experience in the fields of entrepreneurship and coaching. With over six years of experience coaching more than 400 entrepreneurs and business leaders, George specializes in helping individuals uncover the blind spots that they can see themselves. In the process, he helps them to take ownership and integrate these blind spots so they can step out of self-sabotage and become more self-led. On this podcast, we explore George's extensive journey from his earlier days as a competitive athlete to his role as a founder of a thriving startup company. This path eventually brought him to a near-fatal breakdown through emerging health challenges that led him to be hospitalized. In hindsight, he described his experience with these words, my unconscious parts were forcing me to abandon myself in the pursuit of success. Through George's personal story, we take an in-depth look into the roles and motivators that often govern so many of our actions. Together, we move into a discussion of how we can bring awareness to the unconscious programs that may be guiding us. And finally, we come into an exploration of how we can move into deeper alignment with our own values and needs. Having spoken with Jord, what I really appreciate about his approach is his absolute commitment to having an honest look into what's keeping us stuck, and from there, taking ownership, learning how to live a more integrated life that's in alignment to our own intrinsic values, integrity, and authenticity. I have no doubt that this conversation will be an incredibly eye-opening one for all of you. Let's dive on in. Jordan, welcome to the Heart of Man podcast. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you for having me, man. I felt really excited to have this conversation with you here today. This is actually the first time we've been dropping in. And at the same time, we've had a very similar friend circle for a bit of two years, I would say, um, with our mutual friend and my mentor, Edward Dangerfield. Mm -hmm. And... From him and then as well, having listened to some podcasts of you before, I have heard your personal story. And with that, there was definitely a level of curiosity to go into that. And one of the things I want to just preface is that I've always been really passionate about story, folktales, myth. And um, what's really fascinated me about that is that to a certain degree, um, whilst of course they're, there's not, they're not realistically like word for word true but at the same time there are certain themes that can be delineated 
that um, we can apply into our own lives, right? And hearing your journey, I really felt the hero's journey coming alive. And so this is something I'm really excited to unpack with you and as well share in such a way that the audience um, can hopefully get some value out of. Cool. <laughs> dive in. Yeah. So why don't we start by you sharing with the audience who you are, what it is that you do, and from there we can maybe start unpacking how you came to do what you do today. That's always such an interesting question, and I kind of hope that the the host is always introducing me in a way because I actually learn from that because everyone mm. is, is introducing me in different ways and I'm like, hmm, yeah, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I'm Jord. Um, I'm from the Netherlands. I moved to Bali six years ago. Mm. We probably get into that uh, in a little bit of soon be moving away from Bali. Mm. Um, and I am a self-leadership coach. Mm. And what that means basically is that I help people see the things that they can't see themselves hmm. and take leadership for it so that they take charge hmm. of their own growth, their own direction and their own success in life. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I got into this six years ago uh, when I moved to Bali hmm. uh, unintentionally because I came from the startup world. Mm -hmm. um, I saw myself as an entrepreneur and hmm. transitioning back for me like i'm also saying transitioning back because i saw this like okay hey i'm going now to being a solopreneur and yeah i really needed to shed some layers in mm. order to accept that about myself mm. um but yeah obviously what happened in my life and i'm sure we dive into that um yeah left me with a big big question and i, I like i said i never i never had the intention to become a coach i was just very very curious to understand mm. what was driving me right drive me to the extent that my ambition almost killed my with, with my ambition i almost killed myself mm -hmm. and um so yeah and then i started sharing and people st from my network started reaching out um hey george can i can i speak to you mm. and i kept hearing this from people it's like it feels like you're the only person i can speak to mm. um and through my own journey and through working with people i just got more and more curious yeah. and that got me on this journey and um yeah, this, at this moment of speaking, I've coached over 400 people, mm. 5,000 hours under mm. my belt. Um, so I've seen a lot by now, yeah. um, and it's been an amazing journey. Beautiful, brother. Thank you for the summary. And as you said, I would love to dive a bit deeper into how you even got into this work. And as you said, it was more of an unintentional journey. And... I would like to start by magnifying your life before coaching and exploring as well your world um, or the life that you were living as a CEO of a company. Um, on another podcast, I heard you say my unconscious parts were forcing me to abandon myself in the pursuit of success. Mm -hmm. I found that to be very interesting and perhaps, yeah, we can just explore what it is that you meant by that and what that looked like for you. Mm. yeah like now i can speak to it uh, with a certain level of clarity mm. uh, and awareness but obviously back then i considered myself just as one being um and i also like i i, I wasn't aware that i was driven by unconscious part i truly believed that it was ambition 
Uh, that was truly uh, that was an intrinsic motivation mm. uh, for success, mm. which was not. Um, and yeah, that that's something that I uh, came to realize the hard way. Mm. Um, and walking the cat back a little bit, I was 23 years old when I founded my first tech company. Mm. Um, like I said, I was I was driven. I was highly ambitious. Vicious. Um, I came from a background of top sports, like being a top athlete. So performance has always been a thing for me. Like since the age of 14, I've been reading books about mindset, about performance, about self-leadership. Um, you were living and breathing it. I was living and breathing it, but like obviously um, not being fully aware of all the parts of myself. But it, it also gave me that ego of like, hey, I've been reading all these books. And from a young age onward, I've been Work. I had the privilege to work with coaches due to my sports yeah. career. Yeah. I had the privilege to work with coaches due to my startup career. Mm-hmm. I had the privilege, or maybe not the privilege, but to work with psychologists due to traumatic events in my mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. so for my age, I was far more aware than a lot of, of other people. But yeah. because I was still so driven by my ego, I was mm-hmm. also like, I know myself. Yeah. Um, so I was operating from, from that space and yeah, I was ambitious. I overpromised. I said yes to everything. I was overly committed, Hmm. um, which works great when you're building a startup. Um, it's the very thing you need. Like it's, it's also like, I don't say to people who start their entrepreneurial journey, don't do that. Like if you want to build a successful company, that's what you need. Even Hmm. if you build a, if you become a solopreneur. Like we know a lot of people here, Aaron Changu, they, they try to get off the ground, but they just don't get off the ground because there's too much distraction, right. there are too much fun things, everything needs to feel good. Um, so if you want to fly, you, yeah, you got to go in. And mm. But the thing is, those mechanisms, they work for you in the first two years. Mm. However, as the responsibilities and the pressure starts compounding, mm. these mechanisms starts to fill. Mm. What do you mean by that? And I, I think this is the great thing. Like I, I like it's almost my wish for people is they that they get a level of responsibility and pressure on their shoulders that the mechanisms, the, the subconscious mechanisms that they're driven by, start to fill. Mm-hmm. Because if if we stay below that threshold, we never really become aware of them. Like right. we consider it, it's it's just us. Yeah. We might not be fully satisfied, or we might not be fully thriving. Sure. It's just it's just there's acceptance of it. Mm. Um. But what I mean by these mechanisms is like a mechanism for me, of course, was was overachieving, Um, just using performance, results, achievement, but also fame, just being on every front cover of a magazine or the the startup blogs online um, as this aspirational entrepreneur um, who raises millions in investments and, and, and whatsoever. Um, yeah, I, I got a high from it. It made me feel good. Mm. Uh, and what I mean by those mechanisms, if we speak about overachieving, is, is they also have a downside. Mm. They help us to achieve certain things. To, they help us to make us feel good about ourselves. They help us to perform. Yeah. But on that journey, we neglect part of ourselves and I neglected parts of, of mm. myself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what I mean. Then when you move through the threshold, yeah. and for me that was 
kind of already after two years, mm. the first two years of my startup. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of like taking a loan that you can't pay the interest mm. of. Yeah. So it just starts compounding and compounding mm. and compounding. And then you have, as a young guy in, in my 20s, I had another few years left before it really got really bad. And mm. the first things that you start to notice is like, tension in your shoulders and mm. sleep sleep gets a little worse um, it becomes harder to stay present um, in conversations you become i became more agitated and started to have more conflicts within company with partners i started to create less time to be with people that really uh, that really mattered to me yeah. um, i couldn't really enjoy things outside of work anymore because mm there was always something going on and I just felt I need to be there. I must be there. Mm. And even if I wasn't there, at least I must be thinking about it. Sure. Um, well, looking back, we both know those are clear signs of, of hyper arousal of being, mm. of being in a, in a kind of like a functional fight or flight state yeah. constantly. Um, and that journey for me just became like in during that journey, like very early on, uh, also my best friend, died in a car accident. So I was also mm. coping with a lot of grief that I didn't really give myself the space right. for it to go through. That was during the time when you were a successful CEO, was that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. very much at the beginning. Okay, um, yeah. So I started kind of like suppressing that. I, sure. I, I tried to, yeah, get the highs of success to compensate for it, hoping that mm. if I would yeah. be successful enough, mm. if I would get enough highs. To bypass the grief. Yeah, that I didn't have to feel it, but eventually, um, I had to and then like also a, a at the end and that was probably the, the final thing is like in my previous relationship i took on the responsibility to become the stepdad for sam uh, uh sam was was a newborn baby so that was that was a lot and um and then we yeah uh, from one day to another we had to separate you to uh, the circumstances mm. and that was just the last thing that my body could carry in and mm. Um, yeah, uh, three weeks later, I woke up in the hospital with a, mm. with a sepsis, uh, a blood poisoning. Mm. And that was the, um, yeah, that was the end of an era. Yeah. Why do you believe? I noticed as you said that it was so clear for you that it was an end of an era, but too many people from the way I experienced them, often it is kind of like this question how do I get back into it or how do I push myself through but it sounds very clear for you that that was the end of something of a life that you had before I think I had those moments already okay and and I I, I, I truly believe that life will continue to present us the mm -hmm. lesson that we struggle to learn yeah until we're willing to accept mm -hmm. what we need to accept and yeah. I had my fair share of conflicts. Yeah. I had my fair share of health issues from lung infections and whatsoever. Mm. I had my fair share of just stupid, poor decisions. Yeah. Um, and there was just not much left of my life anymore. Mm. And I kind of like this, this, this whole thing, this, this, like this blood poisoning that happened, it was really, really, really bad. Mm. But it was also a gift and I realized it when I mm. when I was in the hospital. I was like, now I can give myself the permission mm. to step away. 
And it sounds like that wasn't present beforehand. So I needed something so bad in my life, so bad, hmm. to give myself the permission. And still, it was it was like it was hard. Like yeah. there was so much shame mm. because it was a public failure. Yeah. So I knew if I step down, it will be it will be online. It mm. will be in the magazines. It will be talked about, and it, it it's it's out there. It's forever. Mm. So this week, I still had someone from the, from the quote from a magazine in the Netherlands reaching out about what happened and, and yeah. whatsoever. So it was like the the amount of shame that was present. Mm was so intense and the amount of guilt mm. for letting my investors and letting the people that got on board very early on and gave their entire lives and some of them invested in the company as well as to let them down. Right. But I just realized is if, if it's in conflict with my health, yeah. with my vitality, mm. then I can't be here anymore. Mm. This is a toxic environment. Yeah. And I can't change that environment anymore because that, that environment, that culture has already grown. It's established. And I never want to go back there. I want to find another way, a new way. Um, but before that happened, there was like this, this this big question for me. is like, because like I just said, I, I thought I knew myself mm. and then this happened. Yeah. And the conclusion was like, apparently I don't know myself. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your journey or the first part of your journey with such detail. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. Um, what I would really like to hear a bit more about, what are the unconscious drivers that were guiding you? What was the identity that was present for you? And within that, maybe you can as well um, offer the topic of the shadow into it. I know you as well explore this theme very um, quite a bit in the coaching that you do. So. Um, this could be really a valuable topic to get into and as well see how did it show up in your life? You know, what are the drivers that you had and what did you have to neglect in the process? Mm. Um, I think the the one that was most present for me, and I, I think it's important when we speak about these, I call them personas. Yeah. Um, so these, for the listeners that don't know what a persona is, these are just the personalities that we, yeah, basically the face, the mask that we present to the world. Mm. And so every persona goes hand in hand with the shadow. The persona is what we want people to see and the shadow is what we hide from the world. Right. Um, and I think it's important to know is that there are so many personas because this, this whole topic is often very oversimplified. Is that mm. like when somebody is like, oh, I'm an overachiever or, yeah. oh, I'm a good guy. Mm. And at the same time, you can be a good guy in your relationship and overachiever. Uh, in business exactly. and when you shift from one company to another it, it can change mm. based on how you think you need to survive mm. what you need to do in order to meet your needs and to mm. protect yourself what was very much alive for me uh, which is probably pretty obvious from my story is like is this image of the successful entrepreneur mm. and throughout my life throughout my hockey career as well is like for me, I learned, hey, if, if I'm the best, then people like me, people respect me, people listen to me. And yeah, below it, it was like, if I'm not the best, if I'm not successful, mm. I won't be accepted. People won't respect me. Mm. I don't belong. Mm. Um, so for me, the persona that was alive is very, very much driven by that mechanism of the overachiever. Mm. Uh, using performance results mm. 
in order to one up myself but mainly also others is to be always like slightly above other people always and also also just in competition with myself Mm. just it was like it didn't matter how successful i was as soon as i raised the next investment round after it again i didn't feel enough it wasn't enough i wasn't doing enough i wasn't having enough i wasn't (laughs) being enough (laughs) and yeah to answer your question is like that mechanism required me to neglect my health because if you if you then what i started when i started deconstructing myself after when i came out of the hospital and went on my hero's journey like yeah what was i driven by what what did i give priority to and for me and in my world in my mind my most important need (laughs) my most important desire was success but I also knew that it can't be true because like we're humans. It's, it's not even, it is not even a need to be successful. So what do we get out of it? And then you break it down and it's, you just go back to, to the Maslow hierarchy and you look like, Hey, what's present there? Which, which need was I trying to fulfill? Hmm. And for me, it was the need for acceptance and belonging. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing that. And I wanted to say as well that there's so many relatable themes as well arising for me just around that topic. I mean, I feel like I've I cultivated a very similar persona in that way and noticed how this two deep fears I was always guided by, which was one mm-hmm. not being wanted and not being good enough as I am. Mm-hmm. Right. And so with that, there was always this unconscious question around who do I need to be in this environment to be wanted Mm -hmm. so to belong to be accepted but at the same time there is this other question around who do I need to be in order to be enough right so very similar um, I was I was somebody who was constantly attempting to prove himself constantly Mm -hmm. attempting to compete and not necessarily with others but more with myself and then there was as well this continuous comparison going on and you know, comparison can be very much this double-edged sword because at times, you know, I may perceive myself as better as another and then I feel better than the other person is less than because I put them in that position. But then very often as well, I, I come to this acknowledgement, oh, you know, this person is much better than I am. And then I feel this level of shame coming up, right? And so it's like I, we swing back and forth between this level of pride and then shame arising. Um, so it's interesting how these personas um, express themselves and um, what needs we're attempting to meet in the process. Yeah, very much. Mm-hmm. And I think almost every man, well, men and women nowadays, because it's, it's very mixed, um, we all struggle with this problem. Yeah. Because we, we are part of a society that is just status image driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to conform, yeah. you end up being part of this constant game of one-upmanship. Mm-hmm. And even here in Bali, like it's, it's one big fucking joke <laughs> um, where people present themselves as spiritual. But the majority is still stuck in this game of one-upmanship. Yeah. We just use different things now right. to one-up ourselves and others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's the exact same mechanism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same pattern. So... 
I would love to dive a little bit deeper into what it looked like for you once you woke up lying down in the hospital and explore a bit this, the, um, this theme of this breakdown or the descent for you and what actually needed to happen for you to step into a new mechanism, a new paradigm of living. And yeah, what was that journey like for you? I think often looking back, I think that I've been so lucky. Um, it's It's been such a gift. And I can say that because I've, I've guided over 400 people who, well, most of them did not have that experience. Mm. Um, a lot of a lot of people have to go on that journey themselves because it doesn't get that bad that they have to. So yeah. I didn't have a choice. Right. I was laying down there in the hospital and I knew like I need to recover for months. Mm. Like even if I want to go back, I can't go back. Yeah. And I also knew like I don't have any energy, strength, resilience left to uphold that persona. And so it was a huge ego death. And mm. if, if you ask me, what did it take? It, what it took was acceptance. Mm. I just need to accept myself in that moment. Mm. Um, I needed to accept that I couldn't live up to that persona anymore. And was that a hard journey for you to accept that you couldn't live up to that persona? Moments of it have been extremely difficult. And the majority of it has been so liberating. Hmm. Um, it's been so interesting to, and looking back, but also in that process to witness like the, the fears that I had around not being accepted and not belonging. It was valid because I lost a shit ton of people. Especially when I started to, when I depart, departed from the conventional road and started to, to, to walk my own path and to explore my own things. There was judgment. Mm -hmm. There was rejection, full on. And it felt good. It felt really good. Mm -hmm. Every time there was like a comment or, yeah, or just like plain rejection, it felt like, like at, at my core, it felt good. <laughs> I started like, I need this. The mm. more this happens, the more I am following my path. Hmm. I don't want to belong to it anymore because yeah. it's toxic. And that's why I'm saying I think for me it was so different mm. because the way I often explain it, what happened in my life is that I was completely oblivious. And from one day to another, a nuclear bomb was dropped on my head. <laughs> And that life was just over. Mm. And I woke up in the hospital. I knew I had to recover. I was no longer mm. the entrepreneur. I was no longer the CEO. Mm. I was no longer the guy who could bounce back from anything. I was mm. someone who had to just lay down and sit with himself. Yeah. It's interesting because you spoke about acceptance. But for me, when I hear this, it, it feels even deeper. Like there is a level of surrender mm. that is coming in for me, which is, it's like, you have to surrender to the unfolding of this new way forwards. And I love as well that you shared, you know, some of the fears that you had, they weren't just like, you know, perceived because that can often as well be the narrative out there, but they were actually real, right? And They're you, super real. Yeah. <laughs> and you following a new path 
um, it actually did lead to some of those coming true. But at the same time, it sounded like you were really willing to to go through that journey because you recognized for yourself, this is really what I need right now to feed a new way of living for myself. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it was very clear as I never wanted to experience that level of of suffering and pain again. Yeah. And, and one of my biggest motivators um, was to prevent, to protect the people that, that care about me. So see, seeing my parents and seeing my friends in the hospital and seeing, like I remember one friend who walked into my room and he just turned around and walked away because he couldn't, wow. he just, it was just too much. Um, and my parents who, who would come there and seeing their pain and the worry in their eyes, um, I'm like, I'm never going to do this again. It, it's just not worth it. Mm. Um, and anyone who wants to be in that conformist culture enjoy it like I, I love every single one of them i don't have judgment to mm. them i haven't escaped escaped the matrix i'm not against society mm. i love them all yeah i've just decided that i don't participate in that game anymore yeah and and yeah those fears were, were mm. really real yeah. and we live that's why it's it's so difficult for people to break free mm. because we live in this conformist culture mm. and there are there's a whole list of unspoken rules that we need to live by in order to fit in. And as soon as we step out, and this happens already in school and in uni, and it, and it, and it continued in our career and professional lives and, and in every aspect of our lives. Yeah. Right here where we live, where we, where we all preach about spirituality and freedom, it's the exact same thing. Mm. They're all wearing the same clothes. We're all putting our hands on our heart. We're all using the same words. It's all bullshit. We <laughs> do it yep. because it makes us feel safe. Yep. Because when we do it, we know that the other people will accept us. And as long as we do it, we aren't free. Mm. I'm very reminded by something that Gabor Mate often speaks of, which is that we will value attachment over authenticity, mm -hmm. right? And that is that, that journey, right? Of exploring who do I need to be in order to be accepted, in order to belong. But within that, there's a great cost, right? We um, deny our own authenticity, right? And yeah. one of those things, it sounds like that the vitality that you neglected seemed to have become your primary value, or at least you had to learn to prioritize, or you were forced to actually, right? Yeah. You know, and so, um, and, and this is what it sounds like you, you started stepping into, that for you, that authenticity was so much more important than the attachment. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, and yeah, the vitality, like, being in that position where I couldn't do anything, I couldn't even listen to a person for longer than 10 minutes. Yeah. And uh, when people ask me, like, how did you get so aware of your of your boundaries and how did you get so good at communicating them? It's because I had to. It was literally a matter of survival mm. um, because I had so little capacity, yeah. so little vitality. Mm. I had to build it up from, from the ground. And mm. it made me realize that without vitality, I can't have anything in life. Yeah. yeah. Was there as well any challenges around that? Because, I mean, the way I see it is for many men as well that I speak to, 
I noticed that a lot of their value comes through the contribution that they bring to the world, what it is that they do. Um, and, and there is this deep fear around being perceived as weak, mm -hmm. right? So you maybe after 10 minutes of a conversation needing to stop it, was there any of that, you know, discomfort? Was there shame around that? Or, um, yeah, what was that like? Or was it just, I have to surrender to this, like this is just what I need to go through right now? There was both. Mm -hmm. There was yeah. surrender to it and there was the struggle of, of shame. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, for most men, they're, they're, their biggest fear is that they're weak. Their biggest fear is that they're a coward. Mm. And that's why it's been such a gift to be put in that situation <laughs> because I don't walk around with that fear anymore. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, and, and the beautiful part of it is that I find my greatest strength within mm. my weakness. Yeah within my vulnerability. I can very much relate to that. And um, I'm reminded by my own journey with that last year, actually, you know, I came out of a relationship and very much experienced, of course, in my own unique way, like a different journey, but the themes were very different, like very much the same. I was humbled mm. on my ass. And um, I was met with a part of me that felt weak. Mm -hmm. And it brought up all that shame and brought up all the aspects of me that I'm a coward. Mm -hmm. right? I can very much relate to that fear of feeling weak, feeling vulnerable, being a coward. And I really had to be with those aspects of me. And I want to as well acknowledge what a gift it was mm -hmm. to go through that journey, to go, to be humbled on my house, to really connect that there is like the circumstances, the environment that I was in was so much greater than what I was able to navigate in that moment. And it was the first time where I was really, I guess, connected to my own limitations. Mm -hmm. And that is what I recognize now as a really big power to mm. honor and recognize one's own limitations because only then we can really speak out our boundaries, right? I agree. Hmm. So we've shared a few minutes before about how there are certain survival needs that we are being driven by. We're attempting to meet them through those personas. So I'm wondering, how can we start taking what I'm going to say a bit more ownership of those needs and find ways to meet them in, more, in a more sustainable way? where we don't have to fall into these personas, you know, the parts of us that want to be accepted, the parts of us that want to belong, the parts of us that want to be acknowledged that we're good enough. How can we go embark on this journey mm. of having them be met in a more sustainable way so we can live more authentically? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. And I think it all starts with, which is... <laughs> quite counterintuitive to to what it, what is preached a lot uh, when it comes to personal development and spirituality and mm -hmm. like everything is focused on on feeling good um, but it started with paying attention where we don't feel so good in our lives mm. and it's um, um, John Wyland uh, who mentioned that, that beautifully and I, I I use that a lot in my program as well as to find um, to find where life is begging us to drop in more. <laughs> I love that. And it's so powerful to just to find like and to to 
really listen to the truth that is burning at your core. Mm. And maybe to put that into simpler terms is, is to really start paying attention and say, where do I feel contraction in my life? Where do I notice resistance? Where am I trying so hard? Where am I repeating the same thing over and over again, but I don't get the experience that I expect to receive from it? And the problem is, and I don't even focus with my work, for example, on, on people who are not in pain. Um, mm. I think people need to reach a certain level of pain, of discomfort, of fr frustration in their lives in order to start doing this work. Yeah. As long as we're comfortable enough, we're not willing to look at it. Mm. So why, if life is still pretty comfortable, why would we lean into something that feels so uncomfortable? Sure. Um, and one great example of one of my clients who worked for um, one of the big, if not the biggest tech company in the world, and he sacrificed his, his last 15 years of his life to get to a certain position within that company. And then he arrived and he didn't get the result that he thought it would give to him. And that is the moment where it's like, wow, it's the arrival fallacy. It's telling yourself, if I do this, if I arrive there, things will be different. And sometimes we need to arrive over and over again at that point. Mm -hmm. And so we arrive, we don't get what we hope to receive. Then we set, on, set out on the next journey. We arrive, mm. we don't get what we hope to receive. Mm. Until we're like, okay, hey, I've been repeating this over and over again. <laughs> Maybe there's something wrong. And, then, and that, that's when we start to feel stuck and unclear, indecisive, unable to break free. Mm. We don't have as much motivation anymore because we know, okay, hey, we can, we can do the same thing again. We, we're going to get the same result. Mm. And that's when we can start the, the process of compassionate inquiry to mm. to start to questions like, hey, same with me. It's like that success. Like success is not a need. So what was what what is the deeper need that that someone is is trying to fulfill? And that's different for everyone. Like someone with overachieving uh, tendencies, it's quite easy. We already discussed. But someone with who likes to see himself as the good guy and has done everything in his life for for other people to accept them to like them and whatsoever yeah there might be the same need but it's a very different mechanism hmm. yeah hmm. and what does that process look like so it sounds to me like what needs to happen is we need to have that willingness to start looking into the pain to look into the aliveness that up until this moment we've actually been ignoring and really draw our attention towards it. And you mentioned this phrase, compassion inquiry. Mm -hmm. For our listeners here, what, what does that look like? Because I guess one of the things that I really see is that to a certain degree, I feel certain people notice that there's a need to look at that discomfort, but at the same time, what is missing is a level of competency with it mm -hmm. or knowing what to do with it. Um, so I think that could be valuable for us to speak about that. The first thing I want to want to speak to here is I really believe that this work, I'm not saying impossible, mm -hmm. but it's really, really hard to do by yourself. Agreed. And we read all these things on Instagram, uh, which make us feel like sort of educated in, in these topics. And we know all the labels and we can put it on it and, it gives us this like this surface level of awareness and again this this false sense 
um, of I know myself. Mm. Because when we look at these mechanisms, at these personas, they're, they're protective mechanisms mm -hmm. that have been with us for years. And for years we've lived in denial. Like it's just like it's, it's, an, it's an unconscious incompetence that lives within us. Until we start repeating that the process that I just said, on, until we're repeating it that often, until more responsibilities, more pressures put on that mechanism that it starts failing. Mm. That's when we're like, okay, I keep running into this wall. Mm. I don't know if this is serving me. That's where people get a little bit curious. That is needed. If that's not there, if people are unwilling to look at themselves, then you can't go there. Mm. But then out of denial, you go into the next phase, which is resistance. Mm. And when we get into the resistance phase, guess what happens? Tell me. Our ego defense mechanisms jump in. Mm -hmm. We start seeking distraction. We start seeking self-help tools and programs and coaches that are not really helping us. They keep us busy. So we, we start to believe that we need to read 52 books a year. Like a lot of people can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, we, we're going to listen to another podcast. We're going to go to a retreat. And we're going to do all these things so that we have a sense that we're working on ourselves, but we're still avoiding. Because that is literally what the ego defense mechanism does. It's just mm -hmm. like... It's helping you. It's, it's, it's actually your friend to stay away from that pain. Mm. And so what it looks like is that you are guided by someone. Because I don't believe that, well, there, there are people that can do it by themselves, mm. but they have been through that process already. If you're going through it the first time, you need someone on your side. Whether mm. that is a coach, whether that is a, a trusted friend, whether that's a group, a men's circle, a group of people, whatever it is, but you need someone on your side. 100% agree. And that person is someone who has walked that journey. Mm. He can create that safe container. He can expose the parts in you that you find so difficult to accept, if not completely disturbing, but do it in a way that it feels safe enough for the first time to let them rise to the surface. Mm. And oftentimes, if that is done, then the biggest part of the work has been done. Everything that else that comes after it is easy. Yeah. It's that resistance. It's like we're not at war with anything outside of ourselves. We're at war with ourselves. Mm. And so that is, that is the key of this work is, is to work with someone that has the capacity and the competence mm. to create that space mm. and that has the ability to see. Yeah. And I'd actually, I had one of my clients last week who gave me a testimonial through, through, through a voice message. Mm. And she was still asking me, I just, I just don't know what, what we have done. It's, it's, it's really magic. Mm. And that's amazing because that's exactly what it is. There is like, we want a certain process. We want a step-by-step -step method. Yes, there is a framework for it. I got my, my clients through a framework, but the magic is one person who can see right through you and hold that and create that mm. space for you to start holding it yourself, mm. to accept it. Yeah. Everything after it becomes easy. Man, I just 100% agree. And I, I just really believe there's so much value in what you just said and reflecting as well on my own journey. I've, I've been on a path of exploration, self-inquiry for around a decade now, 
almost rough. And you know, I was traveling and exploring the world and really exploring various different philosophies. And I was always very interested in them. And it, it was kind of like my first step of going into these topics. And uh, as you said, you know, once we acquire some of that knowledge, there is a level of, I'm going to say arrogance that, that is, um, arises through the process, or at least that was present for me, a level of arrogance. Oh, I know what's going on here. I know what's happening here, but I, I wasn't aware of what I didn't know, right? And it was around four years ago when I started working with one of my first coaches. And when it was so interesting, I couldn't explain it at that time, but if I were to reflect on it now, just being in that one-on-one -on -one setting, that in itself creates a container. It creates a space. It creates an environment. And a part of me, you know, unknowingly can exhale here. Yeah. It's like, I feel safe here. I can express myself. And interestingly enough, I noticed how our first two sessions were pretty much like a confession. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a confession of all the parts of me that I was so ashamed of, all the parts of me that I was afraid that I couldn't share with another person, afraid that they, I will not be accepted if other people know this about me. Mm -hmm. And I noticed how it was such a gift to receive another person on the opposite end that would hold um, a space of non-judgment, a space of acceptance, and would just reflect back to me who I am, right? And at the same time as well, have the willingness to compassionately hold me accountable to who I am, mm -hmm. right? That was the other aspect, you know, like holding me accountable to what was true, what's actually going on here. And as well, being with me as my resistance starts coming up, as my parts of me that, that want to deny that being true, and, and just being with that, right? And just gently guiding me into a process of discovering that for myself. And it's only when I started acknowledging that for myself, as you said, some of the big work has been done because the unconscious is now in the conscious. And now it's just really about integrating that information that has come to the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then the question comes, who am I if I'm not the person who I've taken myself to be? Right, so and that's probably one of the most scary questions. It is. Well, it's, it's a very interesting question if you're sitting with yourself. Mm. Um, it becomes scary when you step into the world and you don't know who you are anymore. Mm. And that's when often people revert back to the mechanisms that are so deeply rooted within them. And that's mm. why doing this work, like it's, it's not only the deconst deconstruction that matters, it's also the reconstruction. Yep. Um, is, is learning who you are, is learning what you stand for, is truly planting your flag in the ground mm. and understanding your values, understanding the principles that, that support you to live in alignment with these values. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, step by step, relationship mm. by relationship is, is practicing being that person. And, and oftentimes the beginning is just developing the capacity to not revert back to the old mechanisms yeah. without knowing who you are. So mm. you may go from a very social bubbly person to the one who's actually observing the room before you can step into your new personality. And what would you say to someone who is in that process around not knowing who they are and they are in this direct stage where there is this discomfort 
and this fear around, oh my God, I don't know who I am in the world. I don't know where I stand. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. It's a very confronting place to be. Mm. I don't believe that it actually exists, that you don't know who you are. Mm. You already know. Mm. Um, it's just surrendering to it and developing the capacity to stay with the discomfort. Mm. And as soon as we move through that, like our authentic nature is ready to come out yeah. if we let it. So it is uh, have patience, mm. but especially develop the capacity, the nervous system capacity to be able to move through discomfort that mm. comes up. Yeah. Can we speak a bit more about that? Having this nervous system capacity to withhold going into old coping mechanisms. Yeah, what do you want to know about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's the essential. That's the essential practice, right? You know, because it is the coping mechanisms that um, are actually there to support us to not feel what's underneath that, right? Mm -hmm. The fear of rejection, the fear of fear of loss, the fear of not, the fear of being alone, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like cultivating that resilience within oneself, you know, to actually be with that discomfort, to hold that discomfort. Um, so we don't revert back to those practices and actually find a path that is a bit more authentic. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are obviously, there, there are multiple ways to, to work on the nervous system, mm. um, uh, bottom up. Uh, one of the practices is, mm. is uh, the one that you're practicing and exploring uh, mm. through breath, a very powerful one. Um, and yet it can it can miss the essence of it mm -hmm. uh, because it requires people to come back to a weekly circle or to a mm -hmm. session mm -hmm. to breathe yeah. and then they go out in the world and as soon as their core wound is triggered they revert back because they haven't developed the awareness mm -hmm. nor the skills the capacity in that moment to, to stay with with their fears to stay with the discomfort and I don't believe in, in, in black and white scenarios that one thing is, is, is right and the other is wrong. Yep. I think they're both very, very necessary. So we need bottom-up healing and whether that mm -hmm. is through somatic therapy, whether that's through breath work, whether that is through doing a yin yoga practice every day, whatever works for you, mm -hmm. that's an exploration. Um, however, I also truly believe in the top-down approach, um, especially coming from a place of exposure therapy or ex acceptance and commitment therapy they're they're quite similar um is where where a person learns in that one-on-one -on -one setting or in a group setting is first to accept that part to learn about that unconscious part to to bring the unconscious into a, into the conscious and to start to accept it themselves mm -hmm. however then to create the awareness where in their lives it's showing up and then to pick one single situation or relationship where they can start showing up differently. And that is a situation that is risky, but feels safe enough. And that's different for everyone again, because that depends on the, the depth and, and uh, of trauma. That depends on the level of capacity that we already have. But we want to find that edge and the edge is different for everyone. And we want to go to that edge because then we expose ourselves to the risk. Mm. And then we stay with everything that's coming up. And because we don't, we, because we don't place ourselves in a, in a situation that's too risky, mm. because if we do that, 
boom, we go back in old patterns and we reinforce that pattern again. Like you see, I can't do this. Mm. So it's finding that subtle step forward that creates a positive experience. Then you do it again and again until it becomes normal. Mm. And suddenly a client comes back and says, huh, I was in a situation and suddenly I just spoke my truth. Or suddenly I just I just set a boundary or I did this or I did that. Mm. And there's, they're surprised. And it's like this, this conscious effort of constantly exploring and pushing that edge mm. until they start di discharging the energy because it's no longer needed. Mm. And that is something that's very similar that happens in breath work, mm. which can be done through top down and which I have experienced is essential is to guide people to the very place they fa fear going. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There's so much gold in what you just said. And I'm reminded as well by um, one of the terms that uh, a friend and mentor, Rick Smith, has found, which is exploring our tender edge. And the tender edge is, you know, that place where one foot is in safety, where we're in the realm of the known, whereas one foot is out of our discomfort. It is out of safety. And we're exploring right at the edge, like at, right at, at the tip of the edge. And that is the place where we can actually explore uh, a level of exposure to the thing that it is that we're resisting was it is the environment where we can actually cultivate a level of capacity and growth to that, right? Um, and I as well really appreciated you speaking to the importance of recognizing everybody has a different edge. And so to discover for yourself and hold that compassionately, hold that lovingly and, and understand that for yourself. And whilst having that commitment as well at the same time to explore, um, you know, what is that edge that I can explore today and really picking as well one, one area. Yeah, and, and, and even more interesting for people that are, are seeking professional help is seek a coach who has the capacity to, to, to see what your edge is. Mm. Because there are a lot of coaches that, that are blinded by their own insecurities. They're driven by their own insecurity. And if they would actually push you to your edge, they will feel incompetent because they want to push you to the, their edge. They want to get you to a certain level because it needs to be big. It needs mm. to be massive. It needs to be transformational. Not understanding that the most transformational thing can be in what I call a big baby step. <laughs> a big baby step can be far more transformational than a huge leap forward that just catapults people back. Yeah. Yeah. And so when working with a coach, it's like truly like, hey, is, is this person trauma-informed? Yeah. And not not like a trauma-informed trauma certificate that you can get in two weeks, like truly uh, how much experience has this guy because or did this woman. And why that is important is, is because for two reasons. There are certain people that like their tender edge might, might be a, a big baby step. However, there are other people if we're, we're in the realm of overachievers that I work with a lot. I actually need to hold them back from not jumping too far mm. because they want to take big leaps all the time. Yep. And I'm like, that sounds amazing, but how about we start with this? Mm. And it's really difficult for them as well. And it's also difficult for me because I want to take big leaps. I'm also getting excited if I speak with them. I'm like, oh, if, if, I, get, if I get them to do that, that will look really good on me. 
but that's not what I'm here for. Mm. So I'm right. not here for me. I'm here for their evolution. I really appreciate you sharing that. And as well, yeah, just sharing how in that interaction, our own projections can come alive. And there, there may be this desire as well to validate ourselves as coaches and to really work with somebody who has your own best interest in mind at all times, right? And speaking as well into, I guess, yeah, a little bit more deeply into the pattern of overachieving, like, which I can very much relate to. One of the most tender things for me was taking smaller steps and, and really sitting with, yeah, the discomfort that arises by not taking a bigger step because mm -hmm. it isn't as validating <laughs> to me, right? Um, and, 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 and actually allowing myself to create a more balanced approach to living, actually, mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, I feel like we really explored a lot here. And I know that you speak a lot about leadership. And this is one of the topics I really want to segue into. And I know that there are certain words that you speak of a lot. Integrity, authenticity, humility, responsibility. Um, perhaps you can speak a little bit more about leadership and what you see as important for people who want to step into this position of being more self-led. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What is it to be self-led? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can answer that question yeah. beforehand. <laughs> well, for me, it did, what, it, what it really means is that, is that one is aware of, of who they are, what they stand for, what they value, and that they have the, that they have the skills, the competence to, to chart their own path. Uh, to take charge over of their own growth, of their direction in life, their success in life. Um, and so to be free from all the unspoken rules of our conformist, conformist culture, to be free from the emotions that arise when we do things that are unpopular, mm. when we do things that we know are right, but that are maybe judged by others. Mm. Um, so that allow us to really chart our own path to to the top of our mountain, yeah. Mm. And what what is needed for that, like you just mentioned, the word, the most important, my most important value um, that I'm driven by. Like I have vitality at the bottom because that is that is just like that is the engine. That's 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 the keel of my of my yeah. of my sailboat that keeps me up upright. Mm. But then comes integrity. Mm. Um, what is integrity? To me, it means to, is to adhere to what I know mm. is right and true. Mm. And first of all, it requires me to be connected to myself. Um, it, it requires that entire process of, of deconstruction of who am I not mm. to then figure out is who am I and what do I stand for? Mm. And that is a process that takes years and yeah. years to, to develop. And mm. it's ongoing. It's a life journey. I'm, I'm still in that process, but I'm, I'm much, much farther ahead than I was years ago. Yeah. And I do have a deep sense of, yeah, a knowing of who I am mm. and what I stand for and what I value. Mm. And yeah, I do have the capacity now to, to live from that place. Mm. And that's what it means for me to be self-led. Mm. And, it, and it, it, it often requires us... Is, because now again, like I just mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, is that this is going to be the last podcast here in Bali. Yep. And this is one of those moments again, is like I'm really comfortable here in Bali. Mm. And already for a year, I just feel in my body, 
it's not my place. Hmm. And to be self-led is to be in tune, is to listen to the truth that burns at your core. And then to accept, for me in this case, that, that my time here is over. And again, to make a big leap and, mm. and just to to go where you haven't been. Yeah, It's important, right? Because at times we may not like where impulse wants to take us. And a part of us wants to stay maybe in the comfort zone. Maybe it feels more comfortable or more safe to stay in Bali. But then there's an aliveness inside of you that says, this is not my place, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, again, like also with a lot of my clients, is like uh, the examples of having having the almost perfect job at a, at a corporate. Um, and every day you go there, you just feel, and that feeling just starts to grow that something is missing, that mm. something isn't right, mm. that you are not in the environment that allows you to fully step into who you are, to thrive. Um and you can ignore that. Mm. And that's what it means to not be self-led because then you're led by other things. Mm. You're led by comfort and you're probably led by the expectations of whether it's parents, society, what you should be doing at this age, what is right, what is wrong. Um, instead of answering the call and that's coming back to the hero's journey, it's mm. like that call is there and that call is often just a feeling in your body. One of the values that you as well speak of, which I personally see is not so popularized in our culture, is humility. Mm. And I want to, maybe you can share a few words on, on the value of humility and why it's actually so important and so essential. Yeah, for me, it, it's part of the way I work with values is, is I really see them as, as families. Yeah. So when we when I speak about a value like vitality, mm -hmm. which is for me at, at the very core of, of my hierarchy, mm. um, what's in there is is basically everything that sums up my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Yeah. So that is energy, that's health, that's strength, that's resilience, that's mm. clarity, that's optimism, that's you go you can go on, yeah. but that's an entire family, and that that same thing is for me for for integrity. Mm. Um, and yeah part of it is is humility and i think one of the reasons that it's so difficult for people to live in alignment with it is because it, it is a threat to their persona hmm. because the the persona needs to be bigger than hmm. it needs to one up hmm. and so to place to place yourself on on a similar level or even below other people is super scary and yeah for me that 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 part of just walking the path of integrity is like i'm not bigger than anyone i'm not in competition with anyone yeah. and it's like you stepped out of that paradigm i completely stepped out of that paradigm mm -hmm. and even if other coach i i celebrate other coaches i give them clients mm -hmm. i I don't care if you open a shop next to me, not that I have a physical shop, but like <laughs> I celebrate you because I'm willing to share anything that I've learned with you mm. because I know there are so many people to serve. Mm -hmm. and, that, and, that, and that's the same, I think what we just discussed is, is that having that, um, having the capacity when you coach people is to place yourself on a similar level 
or even below them. Hmm. Because it creates a level of safety and connection. And as long as you also operate from that place, it's not you're not coaching someone for yourself. You're not coaching them to feel better about yourself or that it, that it looks good. Mm-hmm. It's not taking clients on because they work at a certain company or they're famous or they have a certain amount of likes. You work with people because you can solve their problems. Yeah. Hmm. And operating from that place is something very, very different than operating from the place of I, yeah. where it's always first about meeting my own needs. Mm-hmm. And everything that I put out there is to inflate my own ego ideal. Hmm. And I love hearing that. And I feel myself as well a little bit humbled humbled by what you just said, you know, and there's an admirable quality in what you just expressed, which was this devotion, I'm going to say, commitment to, yeah, the person in front of you, right? And, And as well, dedicating the work that you do to that person uh, in the absence of needing to, as you said, be inflated or be to self-aggrandize yourself or to be bigger than who you are, but rather just this is what you know I'm being called to do and um, I'm going to dedicate myself to that process. Yeah, it's, it's like who are you in service of, yourself yeah. or the other? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. Jordan, this has been a beautiful conversation. I want to slowly start to come to a wrap of this conversation. And when I reflected on um, everything that I wanted to explore with you today, for some reason, the word power came up, right? And, you know, power has different narratives. And to a certain degree, I guess there is as well a lot of shadow expressions of power. But this, to me, what we spoke about is exploring a level of authentic, of leaning into an exploration of authentic power within yourself. And I would just love to hear from you what it means, what power means to you and what it means to live from that place. Hmm. I think it comes back to being self-led again. Hmm. So as long as we are governed by other things, Hmm. uh, expectations, rules uh, whether written rules or uh, unwritten rules unconscious programming within ourselves then we're not in power and i can't even say that i'm that i'm fully in my power i'm as powerful as i can be right now um but that to me is 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 what power means it's Mm -hmm. like is i am in charge of my own growth of the direction of my life Mm -hmm. of the success that i create and I am not governed by things outside of myself. I am not distracted and controlled by whether it's social media. Like I'm in control of my words, mm. of my actions, of my thoughts, of my beliefs. And that's what it means for me to be powerful. Mm. Beautiful, brother. I would love to take a few moments just um, for you to share anything that you may be offering in this moment. Um, and yeah, anything that you want to maybe... Uh, point our listeners to uh, maybe as well where they can find you um the best place to find me is either on linkedin um if you type in my name george cooper j-o-r-d-c-u-i-p-e-r uh same on instagram that's where 
I share a lot of my thoughts, mm -hmm. ideas, insights. Um, and at the moment, my only available offering is my group program. In July, the next cohort will start, which is a small group for eight people. Mm -hmm. It's called From the Core. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, um, yeah, it's an initiation into becoming the man or woman that you're capable of being by truly looking at, at yeah, the the areas in your life where you're sabotaging yourself, where you're holding yourself back. Mm -hmm. And to reclaim that power and that we just discussed about to take charge of your growth, of your mm -hmm. direction and of success in life. Mm -hmm. And to, yeah, kind of to transition from, yeah, to from the ego to the heart. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, so for all the listeners who may be interested in that journey or exploring that with Jord, uh, feel free as well to contact him on the links that he has presented. I'll as well make sure to um, put those in the show notes. And I want to, yeah, just conclude this conversation by expressing my appreciation for you. Um, I feel a level of groundedness, a level of humility, um, yeah, just within the conversation that we had and a level of appreciation for your level of transparency, your level of dedication towards this work and um, not sugarcoating the process as well. Like just being real, being blunt. <laughs> I'm Dutch, so that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> and just speaking directly to the way things are, right? So thank you for that. Thank you, brother. Mm. It's, uh, it was amazing to be here. Beautiful. And for all the listeners, uh, I want to as well just thank you for showing up today. Thank you for listening on this journey. And until next time, much love. Thank you for listening to this episode. Your time and attention is truly appreciated. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe to stay tuned for my upcoming episodes. And in case you know somebody who would find this episode helpful, I encourage you to pay it forward. Finally, if you've personally been receiving value from the show, one way you're able to support this podcast is by leaving a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Not only does this help more people find the show, but it also supports me in bringing more incredible guests on for the future. I'm your host, Alex Lehman, and until next time, signing off.